Hear these words from Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. My name is Beth, and I volunteer here. And I wanted to thank you again for being here at service this morning with us. So today we are in our third week of our Advent series. And which is, what are you expecting this Christmas? And we're going to be talking about the gift of reconciliation today. Um, and we're looking, we've been looking at expectations at Christmas and knowing the story and hearing it so many times that we often tune it out because we've heard it so many times because the Charlie Brown Christmas special is on, again, on TV. Or the Grinch. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Watched it last night. It was great. But the, the gift of Christmas, the gift that we receive of Christ, is more than just the little baby Jesus coming into the world. It's actually a gift of reconciliation that helps us to rebuild relationships and rebuild trust and genuine, authentic relationship with the people around us and with God, the broken relationships we have with family, friends, and loved ones in our life. And so we're going to explore that, and we're going to look at Joseph and his story and how when Joseph put his trust and faith in the baby Christ at Christmas, at that first Christmas, how it restored his marriage, how it restored his relationship with Mary, and how it paves the way for us to have restoration in our relationships as well. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be in your place of worship, to be your people. Lord, speak to us today in a way that only you can move in our hearts and minds. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. Amen. One of my greatest joys in life, besides my children, of course, my wife, and family, and deer hunting, and, you know, things like that, um, but in the top five, of course, um, is finding the perfect gift for someone at a super deal. It's one of my favorite things. It, it's, it's not just the thrill of the find, it's, it's the diamond in the junk pile. Often it's, it's the, um, it's the, it's not just the price though, it, it's the, it's the uniqueness of the item that I find. Usually it's something that's not in production anymore, which means it's the, it's the thrift store find, um, or the antique shop that I, that I go to, that I frequent. Um, once I found that that that, that other production thing that that meets and matches a person's personality is is what it is. One time I found this giant I say giant it was a carved candle that was painted like a tiger, and um, it it reminded me of one of my close friends who is kind of obsessed with tigers, and, and I gave it to her for her birthday or for Christmas, and she she loved it, and she has it on her mantle, and it's it's never been burned, of course, because it's a carved candle, and you don't burn those, I guess, but it was probably carved in the 70s or 80s or something back when people carved candles, but it it's really was cool looking, and I, I found it for a deal. It was 70% off at the Mega Mall, uh, and it was pretty cool. Um, or maybe like for my, my middle boy loves Power Rangers, so finding vintage Power Ranger toys at a discounted price is awesome. Once, last year for Christmas, I got my wife the perfect gift for Christmas. It's 
absolutely perfect. I brought it today. She let me borrow it. Um, it's one of her treasured possessions. Um, it is vintage, a first printing. It was printed in, um, first, I should have white gloves on, first edition from 1924. It is Good Housekeeping, book on how, the business of housekeeping, new ways to handle the familiar routine of housework. Now, I mean, there's everything in here. There's, um, um, there's, there's everything. The daily routine of upstairs care, closet and storeroom maintenance, furniture cleaning and polishing, the treatment of window shades, floor treatments and care. I mean, everything that you could ever want. Blotters for the emergency. Look, look at this. Um, silver cleaning, metal cleaning, floor treatments, carpets and storeroom care, cellar care. I mean, there's, I mean, cleaning the refrigerator. I mean, everything. I, she didn't like it at all. <laughs> she didn't, she didn't laugh. Actually, no, so Aaron and I don't give each other Christmas gifts anymore. Um, and so this was, we, we uh, have a very interesting marriage with, uh, full of comedy and humor. So this was one of those trometer gifts um, that she went looking for more Christmas presents for me um, after she opened this one. But the men in my life group found it fascinating when we met in January and sat there for quite a long time. Oh, look at this, eliminating the dishpan. I should read that section. That looks good. Um, dishwashing three times a day. So if you want to read this after service, uh, I'll have it up front. Um, it's a great book. Um, it's not the good book, but it's a great book. For me, it's not the adrenaline of the, the thrill of the find um, or something like that. I've seen enough episodes of Hoarders Buried Alive to know the, the warning signs of that and what it can bring um, and that spiraling process, nor is it the need to purchase stuff. I, I go to thrift stores quite often and walk out without buying anything quite often. For me, it's that relationship of, of, of the, with the person, of, of finding something that I know someone else will enjoy. And, and seeing the thing and then seeing the person in the thing. Like, that's what really gets me going. And there's an important lesson that I've learned in all of my thrifting and antiquing and, and seeking out gifts, and, and, and that is, is the time to buy something is when you find it. I actually heard that on, on the History Channel's American Pickers, you know, the, if you ever watched that show, um, which kind of got me started in, that, um, in this process years ago. Um, once I was over at St. Vincent de Paul, just up the road from here, I don't know my directions, wherever, whichever direction it is, I was over at St. Vincent de Paul that way, and um, I found the perfect gift for my brother, whose birthday is in April, and it was the, after his birthday, and I'm like, oh, this is the perfect gift for my brother, but his birthday's already gone, and I already gave him a present, which is crazy, because I never give my family members birthday presents on time, but that year, I, this, this past year, I did, because I gave it to him early, because it was actually the last year's present. But anyways, so I found the perfect gift for my brother, and I said, okay, I'll go find something else later, you know, next year. And I came back over here to the church, and I was working in the office, and I go, this is stupid. I need to go get that now. And so I went back over to St. Paul, and you know what happened? It was gone. Yeah, it was gone. And I kicked myself, and I'm like, why didn't I get it? It was perfect. It was the perfect gift, and I missed it. And I've been kicking myself ever since. So since then, if I find something that's the perfect gift for something, some for someone, I get it immediately, which is what happened after my that same brother's fiance's birthday um, last year, and I found the perfect gift for her a week after her birthday, and I bought it, and I've been storing it for a year, and then when her birthday came this past August, and I missed her birthday to give it to her, when we went to her birthday party, and I forgot it at home, I was so upset, and I gave it to her on Thanksgiving. <laughs> 
was a purple cast iron skillet. It was perfect. She likes cast iron. It was purple. Anyways, that has nothing to do with the message, but I had to say it because it was bugging me. No, it does, because today we're not going to talk about missing the opportunity to purchase the perfect Christmas gift. Um, But we are going to talk about missing the opportunity of receiving the perfect gift of Christmas. Because so many people miss the opportunity of receiving the perfect gift at Christmas, which is Christ. And we've talked about it for the last few weeks of how we miss that opportunity. One, because we were so familiar with the story, but also because we don't remember why it's so important and what it truly means to our lives. We, we, we miss the opportunity to receive the grace and love that God offers us this season. And so today I want us to focus on not missing the opportunity to have this new life that Christ offers us, this, this opportunity that Christ brings into our world that starts at Christmas. So I want to share part of the Christmas story with you that you've heard so many times before. I invite you to hear it with new ears. Not that you got new ears this Christmas, but just that you would hear it in a new way. Starting in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. All of this concerned or occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. One of the reasons God came to us in human form, in the person of Christ, was to forgive us. Was to forgive us. That's that's what it says. Matthew 1.21 tells us the reason Jesus came to earth, the purpose that Jesus came, the reason Jesus came, he will save his people from their sins. Right at the beginning, the beginning of the story, The reason he came is he will save his people from their sins. Joseph was to give his son the name Jesus because the name Jesus means deliverer. Did you know that? The name Jesus means deliverer. Biblical names have meaning. Every name in the Bible has meaning. Some of them are good, some of them are bad or not so good. Like there's some names in the Bible that in the Old Testament, they're like, and they named their son this, which means he made his mother cry. And they named his son this, that meant blessed by God. My name is Timothy, which means the biblical name Timothy means honoring God. Does anyone else have a biblical name that they know what their name means? James, Jacob, do you know what James means? And what the, what the meaning of James is? Or the name of Jacob is? Can you share? 
Do you remember? No, I'm asking you. I don't know. It's not my name. <laughs> What's that? Spiritual head. Jacob is spiritual head, like the spiritual head. Yeah, because Jacob was the spiritual head. Do you remember what James is? No? I don't know. It's not my name. Anyone else? No? If you have a biblical name, look it up. Because every name in the Bible means something. And actually, when you read the text of the Bible, you can take out the name and put in the meaning, and it actually reads the same understanding because the names are important. Sometimes it actually changes the whole meaning of the passage and takes it to the Old Testament, actually brings it into New Testament context when you put biblical meanings in place of biblical names. It's quite fascinating. But anyways, if you have a biblical name, look it up, because names are important in the Bible. And Jesus' name was important. It is important, because Jesus' name meant deliverer. His purpose, right from the beginning, was to save people of their, from their sins. Jesus means deliverer. He came to forgive us and to forgive us, to save us and to bring us new life. And when we accept that forgiveness and allow God's love and grace to enter our lives, we are put back into right relationship with God. And, and while our sin would usually separate us, like that, those things that we do that divide us from God, Christ coming into our world and Christ coming into our life restores that relationship. And this is a chance that we can't miss. We shouldn't miss. We, we don't want to miss. And this is what happens at Christmas. We miss it because we get caught up in the, the decorations and the songs and Charlie Brown Christmas special. And we need Linus to bring us back. Because there's, there's nothing else that can save us. There's nothing else that brings us back to God. On our own, there's simply no way that we can live a perfect and holy life that makes us acceptable to God who is perfect and holy. And, and the Bible says that there's no one, that no one is perfect. That, that Paul says that we all fall short of God's glorious standard. On our own, we, we can't be saved. And, and as hard as we might try, we can't restore ourselves into a relationship, into a right relationship with God, and that we need Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says this, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. For he raised us from the dead among with Christ, along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ, Jesus. So God can point to us in, his, in the all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. See, it, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward. What is it? It's a, everybody together, gift. Back in kindergarten now, it's a gift. It's not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, the reason Jesus came into the world was to rescue us from sin. And so if you're taking notes on the, on the message notes page in your worship folder, the first point, as I said already, is that Christmas is all about forgiveness. Christ coming into the world is all about forgiveness. Jesus came into this world to save his people from sin. 
In Jesus, God took on our sin on the cross. He, he took our death, but God defeated the power of sin and death. And, and we know this because Jesus rose from the dead. And, 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 and I know, it's, it's, we hear it that you know Christmas and Easter are linked. But the resurrection, that's, that's, we've heard it and so we forget about it and we, we, we turn it off. But through Jesus, God rescues us from sin and death, which gives us the chance to a better, more fulfilling, and a more peaceful life. And this gift of God given to us in Christ Jesus, it's a chance to be forgiven, to be redeemed, and to be restored. And and we don't want to miss it this Christmas. Joseph didn't miss it. Joseph was one of the first people to truly accept Jesus into his heart and into his life, and it completely changed him. Accepting Jesus changed Joseph from an ordinary guy, from an ordinary guy to a faithful servant whose actions then changed the world. Accepting Jesus meant Joseph was now an essential part of God's plan for all of us. Joseph went from being a simple person of faith to a man whose faith opened the door for all of us to have faith. When we're given a chance to accept Christ into our hearts and lives, when we allow God to rescue us and bring us back into right relationship with God, our own life story is going to change. Like Joseph, God now can use us for his plans and his purposes. We go from being ordinary men and women of faith to people whose lives can change the hearts and lives of our family, of our friends, of our community, and even the world. You see, when we commit our life to Jesus Christ, we're we're not only forgiven, but that forgiveness combined with God's grace gives us the chance to make a significant and eternal difference in the world. And I say, when we're given the chance and we accept Christ, because it is a chance and a choice to do so. Well, being reconciled to God and the new life that God offers is is just half of the gift. It's just part of what Jesus offers us. Because being one with God opens the door for us to become one with others. See, it's not just, it's not just us and God. It's, it's us and God and us and the rest of the world. It's, it's, it's more than just our relationship with God. It's because if you remember Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he's like, so it's, well, there's two commandments, right? There's the great commandment and there's the great commission. So there's love God and there's love neighbor. There's, there's more to it than just our relationship with God. And so being one with God opens us opens the door for us to be one with everyone else. So through Christ, we're reconciled with God. Because of Christ, we can be reconciled with God. But when we live in Christ, we are reconciled to one another. And there's a difference in that. Being one with Christ and one with God is not the same with being one with one another, is it? You can be highly spiritual and still be a jerk. I know some people. I bet you do too. When we're reconciled to God is one thing, but that doesn't mean we love our neighbor. And once again, we see this in Joseph. Joseph accepts Jesus as a child, and once he makes that decision, he becomes reconciled to Mary. 
Up until this moment, Joseph and Mary were divided. You have to understand the human dynamics of, of human relationships to really understand the situation. But if you really think about it, just think about life in general. Mary's pregnancy had broken their trust and their relationship. They were not a happy married couple, were they? Joseph was ready to get divorced. He had made the decision to divorce Mary. She was pregnant. It wasn't his kid. It took an act of God for him to say, you know what, okay, let's give it a go. A happy married couple does not say, okay, I'm done, I'm out. There were some tensions in the relationship. It wasn't this happy-go-lucky married couple thing going on that people put on Facebook. But once Joseph accepted Jesus, the child, God's grace helped him to reconcile to Mary. Once we accept the grace of God, we too are given a chance to be reconciled with others as well. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2, which says, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jew and Gentile into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. You see, in Christ, in Christ we have this chance to be reconciled with one another. That's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about this opportunity to be reconciled with each other when we accept Jesus and, and live in the new life that God gives us, we're given a chance to be restored so that we can have healthy, vital relationships with each other again. And I'm not talking about just broken relationships with those that we love. I'm, I'm talking about re healing the relationships that are hostile, that are, that are divisive. When, when Paul talks about these two groups there's a dividing wall of hostility separating them. He's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, people. These are, these are not two groups that get along together. This is Hatchfields and McCoys. Like, there's, they're not having Thanksgiving together. There's no smoked turkey or deep-fried turkey going on. This is, this is a not getting together. The division between the Jews and the Gentiles goes back generations at this time, centuries and this division was so strong that most people assumed it would never be resolved. But the power of God's grace given in Jesus makes that kind of reconciliation possible. What this means is that in Christ Jesus, we have the chance to restore all of our broken relationships. Everyone say all. All. Oh, but, but with meaning and feeling. All. All, all means all, not the detergent, but all, like everyone, all of the relationships, all relationships, even the divisive ones in our community can be mended, all of them. And honestly, divisions that we see today in our community and in our lives and in our world are very hostile, aren't they? We have 
really strong and really hostile political and social divides. We have Democrat versus Republican. We have progressive versus conservative. We have black versus white. We have rich versus poor. We have male versus female. We are of a divided people. We have dividing walls that separate us. And they're strong. But in Jesus, we have the chance to be healed, to to be reconciled. But the key word here is in Jesus. In Jesus, we have the chance to be healed, to be reconciled. You see, we, we live in a culture that is quick to dismiss the Christian faith the faith values, and, and all things related to God. And we, we try to restore the, the deep divides that we are experiencing through, through implementing more laws by, by having protests and summits and, and even through opinion columns and political maneuvering. But our best efforts can't and won't and will never heal what only God can do. The gift of God we can receive at Christmas in Jesus is a chance at reconciliation with one another because once we are restored into right relationship with God, the door is open for us to be reconciled with each other. But it doesn't just happen. That just doesn't, poof, everything's all happy, merry-go-lucky. No, we're not Pollyanna Christians. That's not the way it works. It takes work to do that. And it's by living in Jesus that we learn how to become one. Living in Jesus and following his teachings on how to love and care for one another. And once again, it's Joseph who shows us what it looks like to do that. In our text today, it shows us that Joseph took Mary home to be his wife. But did he completely trust her at that moment, do you think? Do you think Joseph trusted Mary his newly pregnant wife, who was pregnant with the Holy Spirit? Did they never argue about anything? Money, finances, traveling on a donkey, fleeing to Egypt, Did they live happily ever after? Or was theirs a journey of learning how to become one, just like every other married couple? My guess is that, like all of us, they had to learn to become one by every day taking the chance God was giving them to love one another and forgive one another and serve one another. Joseph had to change his heart towards Mary. He had to listen to her and hear more about what God had shared with her because God shared things with Mary that he didn't share with Joseph. He then had to serve Mary by helping her on the trip to Bethlehem, supporting her as she gave birth, and then leading her and their child Jesus to safety after he was born. Joseph learned to be one with Mary, and Mary learned how to be one with Joseph. They understood the chance God was giving them to not only find peace with God, but how to live in harmony with one another and offer the gift of peace to the world. And this is the same chance that we get with Jesus. 
So let me share with you briefly three things that we learned from Joseph about how to live in healthy relationship with other people. The first thing is to pray first and to act second. Pray first, act second. While asking God for direction before, we need to ask God for direction before we act because it's essential for us to do that. What Joseph shows us is that prayer also involves listening to God. It's not like sitting on Santa's lap and just telling him what you want for Christmas. Prayer involves listening. Joseph was about to act first, right? What was he about to do? He was about to get divorced. He decided, I'm getting divorced. I'm getting divorced. He'd made his decision. But he listened and he prayed. And what he heard in prayer changed his mind and gave him the chance to experience the power of God's love and grace. What he heard in his prayer changed his actions. Prayer is always needed when we look at broken relationships. When we need, we need to ask God what we, ha- what we have done to cause the divide and how our hearts need to change so that, we, so that we can help solve the problem. So we need to pray first and act second, which is counterintuitive to what many of us do. We often act first and often many times don't pray at all because we just want to fix it. Fix it. Fix it. Move on. The second thing we need to learn is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. And this is hard because we want to talk. We want to share our point of view most of the time because we think we are right. This is our real struggle today because social media and technology makes speaking so easy. It is so easy to share your opinion and your viewpoint. We only need to listen, but we not only need to listen before we physically talk, we probably should do a little bit better on listening before we text, tweet, post, or anything else. Because we can do this and not hear a thing. Too many people are getting in trouble because we're too quick to respond and slow to listen and completely forget to pray even before we act. Listening is a lost art, and I believe it's truly a gift. I have no way of verifying this, but I believe and I think that Joseph had excellent listening skills. Because Joseph listened to God before he spoke with Mary. He didn't say, the scripture doesn't say, Joseph decided to divorce Mary, and so he left his home, walked over to Mary's house, knocked on the door and told her we're getting divorced, and walked home. He said he decided to divorce Mary and went to bed, had a dream, had a vision. God spoke to him. He heard it, and it redirected his life. God listened to God before he spoke to Mary, and he, that listening, and as he listened, it allowed what he heard allowed him to change the direction of his life. Because we don't have any written words of Joseph. You know, we, we don't know what his character was fully like. But I believe he was a good listener. I want to think he knew how to, not, how to listen first and, and then to speak. We need to learn to listen today because while we have so many different ways to speak, people are not being heard. There's a difference between hearing and listening. A lot of times we hear something and it just goes in, as my dad, it just goes in one ear and out the other, as my dad would say. 
People are not being heard, and most people want to know that their lives matter and their thoughts and ideas are worthwhile. Children want to be heard by their parents, and parents want to be heard by their adult children. Partners in a marriage or a relationship want to be heard. Friends wish someone would be willing to listen and hear them. Coworkers want to have their views valued. We need to be quick to listen in every situation we find ourselves in and be slow to speak. After all, as my father would say, Tim, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. The third thing and final thing we learn from Joseph that helps us in relationships is to receive grace and release grudges. This is very hard to do. Receive grace and release grudges. We need to receive God's grace first because as we begin to experience the joy and power and freedom that comes with forgiveness, we will be more willing to have more of a desire and can let go. I have no idea what that trumpet's coming from, but I like it. Sorry. We need to receive God's grace first because as we begin to experience the joy and power and freedom that comes from forgiveness, we will be more willing and have more of a desire and can let go of grudges that we hold on to. I know a lot of people will hold on to grudges for a long time. Joseph was able to let go of those grudges. He did this. He received God's grace. He accepted Jesus into his life, which gave him the ability to let go of the bitterness and the resentment and the disappointment that may have entered into his heart. He received God's grace, which helped Joseph truly reach out to love Mary. It is a challenging thing to love a child that's not biologically yours and a spouse that has someone else's child. But Joseph loved her and the child as his own. He could have held a grudge. He could have been bitter. He could have been resentful. But because, because he received God's grace, he released his grudges. And when we experience God's forgiveness in our hearts and lives, we are humbled and inspired to offer this same grace to others as well. While we always need to release grudges and offer forgiveness, the strength to do this doesn't come from us, but from the grace that God gives to us. And we need to receive that grace first so that we can release the grudges in our own lives that weigh us down first. So these three, th three keys to restoring relationships are not an exhaustive list. There, there are plenty more, but at least it's a place to start. Prayer, listening, and receiving God's grace is what gives us the chance to restore our relationship with God and others. And this is what we're given in Jesus. And this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. So don't miss it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be present in all of our lives, that you would bless us, that you would help us not to miss it. Like Joseph, I ask that you would give us the ability to learn to be slow, slow to speak and quick to listen, to receive grace and to release our grudges, to pray first and to act second. God, I ask that you would continue to work and grow in our lives. It's in your son Jesus' holy name that we pray. And everyone said, Amen.